Dear Mom, did you know that one day you would take a leap of faith that would change all of our lives for the better, and to think it all started with a newspaper ad? Being an adult now, I can relate to how you were feeling back then presented with an opportunity that would allow you to fit it around your lifestyle instead of having to fit your life around it. You took that first step and 22 years later, it's not only changed our lives, but made our lives what they are today. You had no idea the impact your decision would make on our family, and all I can say is that I'm so grateful you took that step. Growing up with Cutco has given me the skills to speak with upper-level executives and companies with complete confidence and no hesitation. Thank you, Uncle Joe and Angie. They taught me personal motivation and development, lifelong memories with travel, and one of the things I'm most grateful for, the idea to dream and put your family first. Thanks to Cutco, we've all gotten to live a life that has allowed us to focus on family, to travel the world from a young age, and to develop sincere gratitude for our home in Canada. My name is Caroline Stashik, and I'm proud to introduce this podcast with my mom, Margaret Shibua. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm very excited about my guest today. It is Margaret Shabella from the Canadian Cutco Sales Organization. Margaret has been with the company since the year 2000. She started in the Edmonton area and has been a leader in the Canadian sales team ever since then. Over the last few years, she's had a consistent performance in the $175,000 to $200,000 sales range most years and is striving for her best year ever here in 2021. Margaret has sold over $2.4 million in Cutco sales, has raised two daughters while working with Cutco, and has had a consistent performance all throughout her career. I'm grateful to have you as part of the podcast, Margaret. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Dan. It's an honor to finally meet you here on this platform. And I'm a big fan of the program and a big fan of, uh, of you as well. So thank you for inviting me. Great. Well, thank you for that nice compliment as well. I think that uh, you have a great story to tell. And there's a lot about your career that will resonate with a lot of sales reps coming up uh, the ranks in Cutco. So definitely been looking forward to this one. I think your personal background is very relevant here before you started with Cutco. And so take us back and share whatever it is that you'd like about uh, your life from before Cutco. 
when uh, you reached out to me and we exchanged a few emails and thoughts what we can talk about, I've decided that today will be the day when I can probably for the first time ever really answer your question about my past and also about my journey, why I left Poland and when I came to Canada and stuff. When I was growing up in Poland, I was uh, very much uh, close to my parents in a very happy household with a four years older than I brother. And I never thought of leaving the country. And then um, in the 80s, especially, that the situation in Poland has changed. And 1981, December 13, everything has changed when the martial law happened. Uh, we just woke up one morning and there was an announcement on TV that we can't leave homes and we can't go back to school. And the life as we've known at that time has changed drastically. Martial law was in Poland till July of 1983. So for a year and a half, we really didn't know where we are going or, you know, what the future holds. And the whole 80s were really difficult from the point that um, nothing that you thought was that the steady road was steady anymore. And uh, there was a lot of changes. And I graduated from uh, high school and I went to university in Warsaw and I started to work at travel agency at one time. And um, my manager really convinced me that it's time to leave mom and dad and go and see the world. So one day I went to Greece and that was a life-changing experience because all of the sudden from this bubble I lived in, I saw the world, I saw different realities. And uh, Greece at that time was vibrant and alive and full of possibilities I got introduced to the wave of people moving from country to country to Polish people that immigrated from Poland to different countries as well. And as long as I was against that, there came a moment that I had to really sit down and think, what do I want from my life and what is out there that I can really do with my life? And I'm sharing this because it was the toughest decision of my life. I was never the one that would be young and reckless and leave my home. And sometimes when people ask me, why did you leave Poland? You know, where did you come to Canada? I found that when I say, oh, I was just young and adventurous, was the easiest way to answer this question because people couldn't relate. And if I would honestly share that there, the economy was tough. The situation in Poland during martial law and uh, after was really very difficult. People wouldn't understand. And they would ask me if I know how to start a vacuum cleaner or do I know what coffee maker is? Because their perception of that reality was uh, completely different than what I was trying to share. However, right now, when I think what we are all going through and after lockdowns, I think that a lot of listeners can relate and understand that you are living in fear and you don't know what, what will happen next. And you don't know if the place where you are at is the place where you can really build the future or should you look for other opportunities somewhere else. So when I finally made a decision that I'm going to take an opportunity and leave Poland, go to Greece, 
where we had a temporary immigration camps where we could register. It was really the toughest day in my life to say goodbye to my parents because I didn't know when I will be back, if I will be back, and also um, if they'll be alive. Mm-hmm. And also, I was thinking, how do I pack my full life in one suitcase? Like, how is this even possible? So it was very emotional time, but I prayed a lot. I went through the whole process of really setting my mind into the right direction to make this decision. And I was engaged at that time. And my fiance said, hey, let's pack and go together. So we ended up uh, in Greece together. We got married in Greece as well. And it was interesting because a lot of people were telling me, hey, Margaret, this is such a it will be difficult. So close your eyes, erase those days in Greece, you know, wait until you're in Canada, you will live your happy life. And I thought like, no, why would I want to erase a chapter in my life? I want to live the best I possibly can. So even though it was tough, it was very interesting to spend my two years in Greece and work legal and illegal as well, whichever way we possibly could. But I developed friendships that became my family till today. I was singing at the Polish church. And when you are right now promoting changing life while selling knives, I was changing lives while singing on the stage or at the altar in Greece to people that were hungry for some Polish music and, and Polish word. And years later, when I was in Canada and I was working in the travel agency, I had people coming to me and say, thank you for bringing hope. I remember you when you were singing. So that was really very transformational because I came to Canada in 1990 with very poor English. And I thought, well, here I am in my early 20s and I start my life in the new country. Wow. So the plan when you went to Greece was that you'd be there for a short amount of time and then it would be a bridge to Canada? Yeah. So we were able to sign up for landed immigrant status in different countries. We chose Canada for many different reasons. And the next step was we had to wait for the interview at Canadian Embassy that basically would qualify as if we will be accepted or not. And uh, the regulation in Greece was changing and the window of opportunity was closing as well. So it was really very intense time. However, yes, we thought that we will be waiting there for just two, three, four months. Ended up being almost two years with no support, just us working, trying to create a life and survive and, and build our lives so we could we could come to Canada. And we thought that it will be the, the new beginning, new sweet beginning there. Yeah. And, and experiencing this year and a half of martial law in Poland, I think it's difficult for anybody who lives in Canada or the United States to relate. Although, as you said, over this last year, we have had experiences that have illuminated the importance of liberty and you know the the choices that we have in our two countries i think there's a lot of liberty loving americans who are afraid that what happened in poland is something that could happen elsewhere and could happen here and that uh, these experiences of this last year have really 
been able to show us how much, how important our liberty and choice and all those things are uh, for us here in the United States. And I'm sure in Canada, it's the same. For sure. Those, those years were very difficult in a way that we had to change our mindset for survival mode and be creative. For example, like this year, we planted a garden on our property and uh, a simple thing like raising your own potatoes and tomatoes, zucchini, reminded me how much work it is to grow things and how much we should appreciate what we have. And I think that over the years, it was so easy to be used to just going to the store and buy whatever you, you wanted to buy and be used to that whatever you desired, if you had the money, was available. During martial law, we had to be creative as well, as far as, well, you didn't know exactly how you will survive. And, you know, you remember from last year lockdown when you were going to the store and there is no toilet paper or other things, right? I remember that from the 80s, and uh, it was more than that. Like the, the stores at the beginning were really empty, and you really had to be creative and, and make the best of the situation as well. Mm. Well, I hope that hearing that piece of your story does create an appreciation for what we have for anybody who's listening, whether in Canada or the United States or elsewhere. So that was great to hear. So tell us about uh, why and how you started selling Cutco, Margaret. Well, the beautiful uh, dream of creating a new life in Canada got a little complicated because you come to a new country with very poor English and not knowing the culture, not knowing the reality. I think that both my husband and I were, we were under a lot of pressure, although I always look very positively at life and, and I'm excited about any steps. But there, there was a lot of challenges just to start creating our life as well. And then um, I had my first uh, child and uh, the second one, and things got really, really complicated and really stressful. So um, at one point, I had to look at my life and look at my beautiful two little girls that were barely two and four and ask myself a question, if I have a right to stay and expose them to unhealthy household situation, or should I really cut this off and move on and try to give them the best possible life I can give on my terms that I thought in my heart are the healthy one. So that's what I did. My girls were two, two and four and I walked away. And I was looking for a job that will help me create an extra income because I, I was a travel agent, a manager of travel agency at the time. And I knew that from that paycheck, I won't be able to raise and really support my, my daughters. And very little help from my ex-husband wasn't nearly enough to do what I wanted. So I thought, what do I want? Well, I need to find something else that will help me make an extra few hundred dollars, hundred dollars while I can juggle between the, the girls and their schedule and stuff. So that's how I started to look through the newspaper and I found Catco. Oh, awesome. And so you, you went in, 
to uh, an office in Edmonton and, uh, and you got started. Tell us about the early part of your journey. Yeah, Katko is the one and only job in Canada that I got from a newspaper with no referrals, with, with no, nobody telling me what I can expect. So I went to this office where the very, very tall young man, uh, Mark Bertson, was uh, interviewing. Very tall. Very tall, with, with very big hands. And when he grabbed the scissors and started cutting penny, that was so impressive. I thought, I can do it. <laughs> 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 so that was very impressive. I loved them. I loved the knives. I loved the product. And I won't lie, what really caught my attention was was that, okay, well, it's a flexible time. It's a great product that I'm Polish. I cook. I use the knives. I can talk about knives, I think. Um, but, but I have guarantee pay. At that point was 1425 or something. I can't remember, but it was fantastic. I thought like, okay, well, even if I have nobody to show the product to, but I show it to the neighbors, time the, the minimum pay, that sounds really good. At that point, I was a travel agent. I was a beauty consultant. So I was doing uh, glamour portraits. I was doing makeup. And I had photographer that that was um, uh, taking pictures. And I had a hairstylist that was uh, doing hair for people as well. Oh, and then shortly after, I was also managing foot and ankle cleaning. So depends what you talk to me. I could take a business card and, and introduce you even to different things that you expected. So Mark never understood how I'm going to uh, a knife appointment and I get referrals to my photo sessions or my my doctor didn't understand how I can work at, at the clinic. But while I'm talking about knives, refer people to the clinic because I was talking to people about life and <laughs> things would happen. But it was very important to me to find something that would give me an opportunity to make more money, but have a flexibility to do it around girls' schedule. And that's what I was looking for. Yeah. So you were balancing your daughters and their schedules. You're balancing several businesses that you were involved in and then selling Cutco on the side initially for some extra income. It was all a part of the package in those early days for you. It was all the, the package because... Like I mentioned, I realized that travel agency will not be enough. And so I started to work on commission as a travel agent just to work with my uh, customer base. But I was trying to, to make enough money so, so I could, again, be in this, in this format that when girls come, they were not in school, they were at daycare at the time. But looking to the future, I was thinking if they are coming home, I would like to be at home. I couldn't look for any career that would absorb me and keep me at work on evenings or weekends. I really had to look for something or wanted to work for something that, that really can maximize my efforts when I can around the girls. Got it. And when was the point where you realized Cutco was going to be the main, the main thing for you? Well, it took me probably three years to get to 10,000 CPO. So I sold 
$10,000 with sweat and really hard work in my mind over three years. So now when I look at all the fast starters and, and people that are selling that much right from the get-go, I'm thinking I should not be speaking about that. But <laughs> there, there was, there was a, a reason for it. Like I had absolutely no validation that my idea works. My friends thought that I'm absolutely crazy. First years earlier, they saw me in Mway and they thought that, okay, this is just absolutely crazy. Then they saw that I'm selling knives. What they didn't know that I've learned a lot from Mway leaders that prepared me for Cutco. And I value that still today. So I had no idea how this idea of mine of working for this company is going to work. I also had some health issues that kept me at, at home and I couldn't drive for a while as well. And so I was really torn. But then I thought like Katko, I have to go back to the office. I have to start selling Katko again. So I would show up at the office and Mark look at me like, I thought you quit and you are back again. <laughs> so I was just like, well, if you won't kick me out, I would like to do some more. So after those 10,000 that qualified me to go to the conference in Beverly Hills, I gathered money together and I flew to Beverly Hills for my first conference. And that was a game changer. I saw people working this like a business. I saw people that were in the business for many, many years as a career. And I thought, I don't have to quit. I don't have to quit. This is something I can do and I can build on. And when I came back, that was May, by the end of the year, I sold 75000 So that was a big game changer for me. Wow. So going to uh, the old FSM conference in Beverly Hills... Yeah, uh, was a real game changer and led you to a 75k sales year that flipped the switch for you. Exactly, and there was a moment that one of my favorite managers from the past, Leo Ramel, told me, "Margaret, if you won't start selling, I'll kick you out myself because you deserve so much more than that." So I really had to sit down and look at what I was doing and my strategy and my plan and the hours that were available for for the work. What can I change? And I gave myself a year. If I won't make it to the level that, and, and I had my, my quota that I needed to reach, I have to switch and look for something else because I can't just keep trying and trying and, and really consume time, nothing else. So, But yeah, the conference was absolutely a game changer. And I gave myself that year. And after that is history. I dropped all the other jobs and I focus on Katka only. Excellent. Now, as you progress beyond that point, what were some of the key challenges that you had to overcome to take your sales up to a higher level? Well, definitely the fact that, like I've mentioned before, uh, at the beginning, I had no validation. Right now, you can Google, you can see who, who we are. In the past, it was an ad in the newspaper and the office with very unorganized trophies and stuff. So I, I had no idea. I had no uh, referrals, or that's what I thought, but I didn't have mom and dad that would make a call to, to, to the church and say, hey, my daughter is coming. I also did the language barrier a little bit, uh, for sure, my health issues. And uh, another big factor was 
I was in my early mid-20s, uh, 30s, and I was the oldest that was in the room. I wasn't a student. And as you remember, our vector focus for many years was mostly students. The non-student was really a rare occasion and people were not staying in the business for that long. So when they asked me to, you know, memorize the manual, manual approaches, but yeah, yeah, just forget the script here that says, you know, all the student motivational thing, just, just in your own words, that didn't work for me. So that was lesson number one. At one point, I wanted to succeed badly enough that I had to admit this doesn't work. The whole concept and the product and the future that I saw at conferences does, but I can't find me in it. So I knocked to Mark's door and I said, Mark, I'm sorry, but your PDI, your holes, just when I send the girls to school, that doesn't work. And your script, that doesn't work for me. And he looked at me and said, oh, I have to connect you with Lanel Henry who was then my partner at many shows and Shelly Schneider. So two ladies that, that were moms that were working, never coming to meetings. And um, Mark connected me with them. And they, they told me that, listen, if you last in this thing, this is going to be the best job a mother can ever have. Mm-hmm. Because you will have all you wanted and you will be present for your children. And I remember those words and I hung on to that and I pushed this through. That is so great to hear. I'd love to hear more about just how you balanced growing your Cutco sales over the years while raising your daughters. What were some of the best practices that uh, came into play there? I try to be very honest with myself and to really think about the balancing those two important things. I had to decide what is important to me as far as the girls. What was the most important was for me to be at home when they are coming from school. I had to drive them to uh, different activities. I had to just be be a mother and be be present in their life when they needed me. I did not want to um, somebody else to raise my my children. So I pushed myself to work as much as I could when they were at daycare then later in school. But also, you know how it is when you have little ones running around, mommy, I need this, mommy, I do that. Well, that's not the best atmosphere to make phone calls, especially when phone calls are really difficult for you, right? So it's very easy to say, oh, I'm not going to do my calls right now because I have to do homework with my child. So excuses were piling up. So I came up with the decision that when the girls spend time with uh, their dad every two weeks, couple nights, I will be at the office and I'll be making calls. Hated it. People running around, talking over my head. But I knew that if I want to move on, if I want to move the needle, I have to do it. So I was consistent with making those calls when the girls were away and also uh, doing as many appointments as I possibly could when girls were at home. And after that, it was always around me being mom first, businesswoman second. 
So um, I wasn't doing a lot of trade shows at that time. The goals were too small. I did have great friends whom I'm grateful till today. Right after my separation, I moved in with two of my wonderful friends, Bonnie and Ken. And it was supposed to be a temporary situation that we all just get our head out, do some thinking and decide what I want to do next. And I ended up living with them for eight years. Mm. So that that was uh, another beautiful story. But so sometimes the girls would stay with, with them or another friends if I needed to, to do something. But most of the time I was trying to work exactly when the girls were in school or with their dad. And also I had a lot of long, long nights. Uh, I would put the girls to to sleep and they were in bed by nine o'clock. They were they were asleep. And that was my time to do the emails and to to prepare even the game plan and everything else that I had to do to be ready for the next day. Another thing that was very important, the girls were part of the business. And I just wanted to encourage all the other reps right now that have young families with with children, not to be afraid to build a business around the, the children, because the girls knew that if we want to travel, if we want to go uh, somewhere, then mama has to reach this level. So they would help me. They would do their homework without my supervision. They would also help me at trade shows uh, sometimes. They would come and, and help me set up and they would stamp catalog at the back of the booth and, and give people the catalog as well and invoices and, and did whatever they could. So uh, they were a part of, of the, the journey as well. And in return, I would say, hey, you know, we had a good show. So uh, we reached the goal. And you should see how if I told them that we need to get to 6000 for this show. They, they would be really on my case and helping me in the booth so, so the action would happen because they knew that if that happens, we are going to the hotel and swimming pool or they, they have an extra hour with their horses or stuff like that. So just having them as a part of, of the process was great. And that actually paid with my younger daughter, Dominica. She was 11, I think. She told me one day, Mom, you are so good with setting goals. Can you please help me set my goals? <laughs> I love so, it. So that was that was very precious. But that was because, again, the girls were part of it. Every recognition I received, every year-end banquet, the girls were always there. There was no discussion if... Uh, it was like, if I'm going to be present in your activities and I will be cheering for you, I need you there. So the girls would pack their stuff. I didn't even have say what they need to dress. They were ready to go. But in return, they also knew that if we reach a goal, if we qualify for those beautiful swords, then um, there will be a trip. And I was paying full price for uh, all the FSM trips. And I was the first mom that actually was bringing kids to those trips, not to necessarily think that they, um, you know, they deserve to be on the beach because um, we are growing in business. I wanted them to be exposed to Vector University and to people that I valued so much in my life. So by taking them for the trip, I was with them 
they had a reward, but they also had a chance to spend time with, with my really very, very important friends. I love all that. That was so great, Margaret. I, one of the things that struck me from the beginning of what you said there is having non-negotiables, right? If you're trying to balance family, there should be some things that are non-negotiable. And for you, it was being home when the girls came home from school. You wanted to be able to be there at that time and be present with them from that time until bedtime at nine. And that was a non-negotiable. And you scheduled yourself so that you could do that. Selling Cutco enabled you to create that schedule. Presence, I also got out of what you shared, right? That when you were with them, you were present with them. It wasn't half in, right? But it was full in during the time that you were with them in those evenings. You were willing to work after they went to bed and put in the extra effort to prepare for the next day to do your emails, as you said. Having those dedicated work times when the girls were away with their father, I think that's also a great lesson, right? Where you could sort of have a almost like a mini personal push period for a few days every so often, every two weeks or however often it was. And then uh, I love, of course, the involvement, right? Involving them in the business where they were in the booths with you and they came to events and all that stuff. And I mean, what a great way to get their support. And I know that uh, they feel like they've grown up vectorized because they've been a part of that environment. So that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Totally. And we are talking uh, about the, the very beginning, but that was actually crucial to me all the way through because I was a single mom for 19 years. And it was pretty scary for me to approach their teenage years. Like uh, I grew up completely different at the church, singing, saving the world, mentoring youth groups. Here it's Canada, it's different dynamics, schools, drugs, freedom, bars, and I could not find myself in it. And if I wasn't able to really keep an eye on that or be a part of this, or if I didn't have a good relationship with the girls at that time, I think it would be very hard for me to build this business because it would be really very, very frightening in many situations just because I didn't understand. And, uh, you know, the fact that they, when they started going out, I would be the mom that at two o'clock in the morning would go and pick them up wherever I had to pick them up from, because I was the, the mom that was responsibly helping them grow and wanted to be influenced. But then they loved horses. So when they started to grow up and uh, would spend a, week, a weekend at the barn, I could do my trade shows. I knew that they would be so tired after uh, cleaning the uh, barn and moving the maneuver that they won't go anywhere. So <laughs> they'll be at the barn and I can focus on, on selling and the trade show then. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Well, you've come such a long way. I mean, to think about three years at 10K in sales and then growing the business from there, ultimately committing to Cutco as a career. And I know that uh, in 2014, you surpassed $200,000 in sales for the year and have been consistent uh, at about that level since then. How has Cutco been able to help you meet all your needs? Cutco is everything to me because it gave us the life that I couldn't even possibly think of creating because not only I was at home when the girls were coming from school, but uh, I could go to Poland for the whole summer and uh, spend time with, with my parents 
and then come back. So the girls practically knew their grandparents very well because every two years uh, we we spent the whole summer with my mom and dad. Sometimes they would visit the other grandparents as well. So they were very connected to, to their family. And that was really very, very important to us. But also um, I looked at my life with them that I would like to expose them to whatever I can to help them be independent and strong, to face life uh, without fear. Because when you think about life, what really matters? You want your children, doesn't matter the profession, you always hope for the best profession, but you hope that your child really can face life and be happy and build something beautiful. So that's what I wanted. So expose them to horses, which is not a very cheap sport. And that was actually my daughter, Caroline, who was drawing horses before she knew an alphabet. And that the love and passion for horses carried till uh, today uh, with both of them. They were in piano classes. They were in um, art classes as well. And there was a local painter in St. Albert where we lived and they were going to learn how to paint. My thought with that was if they are exposed to this and I was following their interest, what they were passionate about, not what I would like to, but at least they were exposed to, to that. And whether they would build anything past their hobby or not, it was secondary but I wanted them to experience the, the world. And right now, as far as their hobbies, horses, they are both very involved with that on different levels. Dominica, my younger daughter, is uh, teaching some children as well, has horseback riding classes for them. Uh, she has a bunch of other stuff. Same with Caroline. So my theory worked because they have a tool that if they, right now, if the job market is not too strong, they can make a few extra dollars if they use their skills. The, uh, Caroline is teaching piano right now. She moved to a different uh, territory, and uh, she said, "Well, mom, I think I'll I'll put an ad and I will book some classes." So again, she she can add on to her palette something the skill that she has because of that. Because of Katko, I was able to buy a house, and that was shocking for most people around because they thought that I'm just the salesperson that is selling knives. And when I applied for a mortgage, they thought that I'm absolutely insane. Single mom with two children selling knives, applying for, for mortgage of the house. Well, I did get the, my house and it was the most beautiful place for three of us for, for 15 years with lots of memories, with lots of kids that came and called me their uh, Polish mama. So our house was always full of youth. And I bought a, house, I bought a car. And at that point, my friends stopped asking me when I'm going to look for another job and just said, oh, okay, so I guess the business is doing okay. So that, that was uh, something very precious. So overall, I think uh, in the last 20 years, from that lifestyle perspective, I achieved more than I was asking for. But personally, I had a chance to grow as well. So that was, that was a beautiful experience. Excellent. Who have been some of the most influential people in your journey? 
When I think about my journey, I have to start with with my parents. I, I can't not to mention them because there is so many um, moments that I bring something that they've taught me over the years that is very, very important to me and my faith. So that's really the uh, core. Another person that I have to mention, I have not met her ever in my life, but when I was mentoring youth groups, I came across a book by Johnny Erickson. So I lived in Poland and I saw this book about this handicapped girl, uh, Johnny Erickson from US. That was very foreign concept. I had no idea if this is science fiction or not, but I believe that this is a true story. And Johnny, at the age of 18, was jumping to the lake and she had everything at that point, you know, on a golden platter, broke her neck and was paralyzed completely. The reason I'm mentioning this is that book and that story changed me as an 18, 19 years old completely because I was reading her story to the youth group that I was mentoring, being a youth myself, and I developed an attitude. I have my head attached. I have my limbs. I have everything. Why would I ever complain? Mm. And there were so many lessons that I brought to my life. So that was my beginning. And then in my Katko career, I have my three musketeers, <laughs> as I sometimes think about people that really influenced me over the 20 years, which would be Joe Cardillo, John Kane, and, and Steve Porzek. Joe Cardillo is our Canadian leader. And it's such a beautiful thing to work in the company where you look at your leader that you've known for 20 years, and he's constant. He's constant with his integrity, with his passion for the business, with so many things, and the biggest heart for for everybody in this business. There was so many situations in my life that I, I have nothing but gratitude towards Joe, and I'm honored that, that we can work together. And John Kane, as a leader, he constantly challenges me. I, I remember him telling me at, at one point that uh, he didn't see my application for a speaker position at the RDC. And I said, well, no, I, I think that I withdraw myself from that because um, there is so many fantastic leaders in our, in our business that I'll make room for somebody else. And you know John, so you can imagine. He looked at me and he said, hmm, I would rethink that. Well, guess what happened? I was opening another conference a few months later. So he has this, this beautiful way of, of constant motivating all of us. And again, huge heart. But him and Stevie P, Mr. Steve Porzek, just absolutely inspirational leaders. And I think that that's what I love about this business, to have people that are really constant for 20-some years, always serving, always growing, always representing the best of the best. I don't think there is a lot of people from different businesses and different fields that would say the same thing about their leadership. So that's why I have such a tremendous respect to, to our leadership. But those three men are absolutely precious to, to my growth. 
and Jim McDougall as, as a leader and a mom and um, and an athlete. Well, I'm not an athlete, but she is very inspirational on so many different levels, and and she does so many wonderful things to help us out. From a rep level, I have to mention Bonnie Fast because there is a beauty in the not giving up and getting to know people on a different level because then you see like I've known Vonnie for so many years I've seen her in so many different situations and again I see that her number one results are coming through hard work and tears and laughter and hard work and overcoming different uh, situations so she is a very inspirational person to me for sure and Calvin Chen from Calvin Chen International uh, Consulting Firm. He was my coach for in the past few years. And it was amazing how Calvin taught me to laugh when I am full of fear and uh, to really not to tell myself too many stories, but play the game and focus on, on the best. And there is so many other reps from, from our company that I could mention so many other names as well, which brought me to my friends that were really leading a key role through all my years. And when I was inducted into Katka Hall of Fame, I had 18 people that I invited came to, to our induction. And Joe was laughing because we basically took over four or five tables, but I wouldn't be where I am at without the love and support of all the, all these people. And, and I've learned so much from my daughters that I feel it's a privilege that I could be their mom uh, since day one. And the last but not least, my fiance, Dave, he's been in my life for uh, over seven years and he taught me how to dream bigger as well. And uh, we love doing projects together. So to summarize this, isn't this beautiful? to have an army of people that can influence you on different levels and help you be who you are. So I would encourage people be open to it. You never know what you can learn from the person next to you. What a great list and uh, great tributes, Margaret. You know, you mentioned earlier that a lot of friends that you had in the early days just thought, you, you know, you were the salesperson selling knives, but now people realize it's so much more. And to uh, wrap this up here, why do you feel like what we do here at Cutco matters? There is a lot of things that I've learned about this business in the past. Dan, you are doing a phenomenal job interviewing people and talking about Cutco with so many people. It's really very humbling and very impressive to know that Cutco as a company, Vector Marketing as a company has touched so many lives impacted their growth to the point that they um, were able to go and thrive in different areas of their life, or they've created careers. So again, I, I have a huge respect to people that start with Catco, they go through the training, and they last to whatever level they feel comfortable or they need to and move on, but they take this, this great knowledge further. So you may think that we are 
selling knives. But I'll tell you a little story how when we were uh, driving to Polish school with the girls and I was really talking myself out of going to my appointment during their school hours because I thought I should be in school. And, and I was talking to them about, about that in um, the car but they said, no, no, mom, you, you can you can go. Caroline was performing on the piano. So I really wanted to be there. But I made an appointment to see a customer and dropped the girls off at the school. I drove to, to my appointment, still talking to myself about not going that I should be with my with my daughters. But I'm professional. I made this appointment. I'll show up. I knocked to the door and the elderly couple opened up. They already told me on the phone they are not buying anything, by the way. But they opened the door, invited me in, and lady said, Margaret, we are very sorry for being harsh to you on the phone, but it just happened that my husband find out that he has cancer and he has few months to live. So what do you do at this point? Open the book and talk about knives? No. You have tea and and you talk about life and and do different things. And I actually connected them with with somebody that recovered from cancer. So um, uh, it was a beautiful two and a half hours. And uh, at the end, I was packing my books and hugging them. And we became really good friends in in this moment. And they asked me, where are you going? Just like, well, I have to go pick up my girls. Yeah, but we wanted to buy something. No, no, you said you are not buying anything. No, 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 we can't resist you. So we wanted to buy something for grandchildren. So when I picked up my girls and we were driving home, I was telling them the story. And the girls looked at me and said, wow, mommy's not selling knives. Mommy's changing lives. <laughs> so I thought that that would be relevant to to say, since that's what you are you are doing with uh, all your podcasts. I love that. That is such a great story, Margaret. So so awesome. What's next for you? What what does the future hold for Margaret Shabella? I looked at at life as life full of seasons. So I'm looking at my future as my next season after raising children and being a full-time single mom. And now I'm engaged and my fiance and I just finished building our dream home. And uh, that was a great project for us to, to really create and do together. Uh, we are looking at many different things we want to do with the house in a way that um, we recently hosted our first CSP retreat for our Canadian uh, CSPs here. We would like this place to, to really be open. And it's in a sanctuary estate. So it's our sanctuary we would like to share with others. So that's on a personal note. Uh, but I would like to see who Margaret is all about in this new reality. And um, I would like to get amazing in um, what I'm already doing. Well, much better than I am for sure, if not amazing. But uh, I would like to grow the business and be at a completely different level. I know that next number of years will be about serving people as well through uh, my church, singing, different charity works that, that I want to support as well. But I'm excited about growth and I'm excited to, to see when so many other things that I was focusing on for so many years came to close, 
or one chapter ended, what I can create in my new one. Fantastic. Margaret, this has been great. I've really enjoyed being able to get to know more about you and hear your story. And I think you've added a a ton of value for our audience today. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for being part of the podcast. Jankuya. Thank you so much for having me. It was it was my true honor and pleasure. What a great story that was, Margaret Chabella. One of the things that she wanted to be known is that you do not have to be number one in what you do in order to be massively significant in what you do. Margaret has not and is not going to compete with the Vani Fasts of the Vector world who are at the top on an annual basis. And yet Margaret's legacy in this company is so massive already and is continuing to grow. And you can definitely tell why just in hearing her great story. I love that she was told that if she could succeed here and stick with it, this would be the best job for a mom and that she has been able to make it exactly that, meeting her lifestyle needs while being able to balance other important things in her life, particularly raising her two daughters. Margaret mentioned a book and an author that impacted her, which was Joni Erickson. It's J-O-N-I. Erickson is E-A-R-E-C-K-S-O-N. She actually pronounces her first name Johnny, in uh, honor of her dad. And definitely a story that you can dig into if you want to hear more about overcoming adversity in life. I want to shout out to Loretta DiCiano for interviewing Margaret in the past and helping provide me with some great fodder for today's conversation, which I hope was different enough from that one that any of you that have listened to both got some great value and uh, hope that you enjoyed being able to hear Margaret's story and lessons today. We'll leave you with some parting words from a special guest. Mama, having grown up with you and Kako has been a key part of our family identity. We have always cheered each other on to chase the dream, push through the defying odds, build relationships with people from all walks of life, and always trying to be a better version of ourselves than we were yesterday. You always looked challenges straight in the eye and marched forward, all while making friends along the way. There's a reason why so many people refer to you as their Polish mama with your nurturing love and charm. Any Kako event felt more like a family reunion than a work function with how close everyone was. I knew I could never work a 9-to-5 office job after seeing the environment you worked in and growing up around a company that encouraged each person's individual dreams and goals. I think Kako was a part of your fate all along, so you could spread your wings and touch the lives of your clients, your coworkers, friends, either through your sales or your inspiration to build a bold life. The amazing part is, it's abundantly clear that you're only just getting started on your journey, and I'm so excited to see where your dreams and goals take you. I'm so proud of your constant and endless ambition and determination. The sky is the limit, and you're going to move mountains with your life. Love you so much, Mama. Dominica. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. 
You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives. Thank you.